Hi, I'm Leisha Nelson, and you are listening to the Nurturing Resilience Podcast, where I weave together the worlds of somatics, science, and energetics to nurture a deeper connection to yourself. This is a podcast that covers a span of topics and ideas from guests storytelling rites of passage that catalyzed their resiliency, to nervous system and mind-body health education, to deep contemplation on topics such as cultivating connection to ourselves and others in a complex world. I can't wait to dive in to each episode with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Nurturing Resilience. I am your podcast host, Leisha Nilsson. And today I'm starting a three or four part series where I'm going to talk about what's called taboo topics. What do I mean by this? These are topics that maybe I don't share a lot with my audience, topics about me that I am not openly sharing often on social media. These are topics that when people talk about them in society, we get uncomfortable. We don't really know how to respond. These are topics that maybe just aren't okay to talk about. And I first got this idea when I decided to interview our first guest today, where we talk about plant medicine. And plant medicine is becoming more known in our society. People are definitely talking about it more and more. It's becoming less of a taboo topic. But in this podcast episode, this is the first time I sit down and openly share about microdosing, things like bufo, ayahuasca, and Caroline was so amazing and willing to come on the podcast and just openly share about her years of experience with plant medicines. And we go all in. We talk about her different journeys and what they've done for her. We talk about how it's helped with some trauma healing, specifically her eating disorder. We bring in the subject of pregnancy and microdosing and breastfeeding and postpartum depression and how I wish this wasn't talked about more for women who are experiencing postpartum depression and how much I think this type of support might actually help, but it's so poo-pooed in our society. We talk about the importance of integration and how if you aren't doing your integration work, really your life isn't going to change and you can sit with plant medicine as much as you want, girl, but until you do your integration, you aren't going to have those life changes and the importance of making those action steps towards healing. We also dive into culture appropriation, what it means to be a shaman, how to choose your shaman that you work with, what's happening in today's society where anyone can call themselves a shaman and offer plant medicine, and how that's actually detrimental to the person partaking of plant medicines. 
And as I shared a moment ago, this is really the first time I openly talk about my own experiences and I don't go too in depth, but it's enough for you listeners to understand for the first time that microdosing is something that I have experience with. It is something that I promote for healing practices. It is something that I feel can really help a lot of people when done the right way. I share a little bit about my San Pedro experiences as well as my Bufo experiences. And I really felt it was important to start to open up more about these things. I am in a space of my life where I'm interested in authenticity. I'm interested in showing people all of who I am and being okay if you disagree with me or if you don't like what you see. And I think after listening to today's podcast, instead of judgments around maybe the taboo topic of plant medicine, I'm actually hoping that it leaves you with some curiosity. It leaves you with the desire to start to do some research if this is a new topic for you. It leaves you with a desire to want to ask questions and maybe start to explore the different options that are out there. I know firsthand and I've seen firsthand how much different plant medicines have helped with trauma resolution. And that is what has allowed me to continue to explore the different avenues of plant medicine was what it was doing in my own life with some trauma and what it was really allowing me to do was slow down and be able to sit with a lot of my trauma in ways that weren't overwhelming and start to learn. And Caroline goes into this as well, that in our society, the do and the force and the push isn't working for us anymore. It's leading to burnout. In my personal experiences and sitting with different plant medicines, it has allowed me to slow down, stop forcing, surrender more, and really learn about the different mechanisms of my nervous system. Enough about me. I'm really excited to introduce to you today our guest, Caroline Offenstein is a certified nutrition and integrative health coach who specializes in women reaching their optimal health and wellness from the inside out. After her own journey of hopping from one extreme diet or fitness regimen to the next, she discovered the power of mindfulness, manifestation, and plant medicine, and started to combine the science and spiritual aspects of health to reconnect mind and body. She believes everyone has within them an inner power to heal and confidentiality lead in their life. Her unique and supportive coaching style will help you reawaken your inner healer, fully express the gifts, wisdom, and beauty you hold within, and design a life you love. I had so much fun interviewing Carolyn on my podcast today, and again, was so grateful that she'd be so willing to speak so openly about her own journey and her own experiences diving into plant medicine and how it really 
helped bring so much healing to her own trauma of her eating disorder. She's just a joy. She's a pleasure. We had so much fun. I'll include how you can listen to her podcast below as well as how to follow her on Instagram. Just a reminder to all of my listeners out there, if you enjoy my podcast, if you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member or on your own social media page. And you can follow this podcast as well as write a review. All of those things helps me get this podcast out, gets the word out to other listeners, grows my podcast, and really just creates a space where we can talk about quote-unquote taboo topics. So as I said, this is episode one of three or four different topics. Really excited to start with this one. So let's dive into what Carolyn has to say. I'm really excited for this conversation and just to preface it or just to kind of share how we decided to have you on my podcast is I was on your podcast for womb healing and exploring those topics and you gently started to share um, about your history of working with plant medicine Mm -hmm. and that that's something I have experience with and curiosity about it's not something I'm super open into the public about it's something that I feel like needs to be more researched, needs to be talked about more, especially what it can do in relationship to trauma and trauma healing. And there are people like Gabor Mate starting to speak more like about his ayahuasca experience and how that has helped him. So some, some quote unquote, larger names that are sharing and opening and opening this door for us just to be more real about this kind of stuff and how it's floating into the mainstream. Um, So I decided to invite you on to talk all things, your experiences, your story, using plant medicine, the different types of plant medicines, how it really helped you work through some of your own trauma. Um, I'm really looking forward to see where we go with this conversation. It's just an open, open door for us to talk about anything. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I've been looking forward to this a lot. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited also to just see, see where we let things flow. (laughs) I love it. Um, maybe just share a little bit about yourself. I know that you're a coach and I know that you live in Colorado. What else do you want our listeners to know to start? Yeah, I think just to get to know me a little bit better, it's, it's helpful to give a little bit of my history. Um, So I do a lot of holistic health coaching these days, which, gosh, sometimes I call it body-led wellness. Mm -hmm. I like have not nailed down a name exactly for what I do, (laughs) but it's a lot of bringing all of these parts of you into your health and wellness. Whereas my history, like what I was originally taught as a nutrition coach and a personal trainer was purely within like the masculine energy space in your head, right? In rules and in logic, like you do this to get this to happen. And so my background is like all, all in the masculine energy, all in the high intensity exercise, like CrossFit. And then 
um, bodybuilding, which is intense in terms of dieting, a lot of physique focus, a lot of external focus. And it's, it's so funny now, like looking back on my journey, when I started working more closely with plant medicine, that's really what opened a door for me to my spirituality. It was basically like my spirituality or spiritual awakening maybe like came through fitness combined with plant medicine, which is like so funny, I feel like, because they're contradictory to a lot of people at first glance. Um, but that's really what allowed me to start to bring in things like manifestation and visualization practices and starting to build my own altar at home and give a lot more meaning to my morning routine. And then slowly, little by little, that kind of trickled into how I treat my body, how I make decisions about what to eat and how to move each day. And how do I even relearn how to listen to my body? Because I had really, really turned down that volume knob of cues for my body because I was so used to following macros and diet programs and fitness programs that I was really disconnected from my body. So it's through a lot of practices, but plant medicine was definitely um, a key a key part of this that I really came back to this more like body led approach. Like how can we follow our bodies instead of spending so much time in our mind kind of in that judgmental comparison mode and making decisions about our health and wellness from a place that's internal, that comes from within us, that comes from our intuition, that comes from what we feel and what we know deep down is right for us. Yeah, well said. Um, It's so interesting because when I was going through your Instagram and just getting to know you a little more, I saw that you used to compete in like bodylifting, bodyweight competition and have stopped that since. But I would just love to hear a little bit more because that is, I, I did a very short stint and I never competed, but there was a very short stint in my life in my early twenties where I was totally lifting all the time. My husband at the time was interested in going into competitions. We were eating nothing except for like egg whites and tuna fish and creatine. Cause at the time that's what we were told. I mean, this was 20 years ago. <laughs> We were told that's how you build muscle mass and that's how you quote unquote be healthy. And I look back on that time and I was like, man, I looked really good, but I was completely nutritionally depleting my systems and depleting myself. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that experience if you'd be willing to share. Yeah, of course. Um, So like I briefly touched on, I kind of went from, I basically burnt myself out doing CrossFit and transition to bodybuilding instead. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm like, surely this will be so different. But (laughs) instead of burning myself out through the like physical exertion of high intensity, I basically burnt myself out through reigniting an eating disorder from my teenage years because of how deprived I was. I think a lot of the uh, diet plans for bodybuilding have probably changed kind of since, since what you mentioned, but there's no getting around it. Like bodybuilding is about crafting your physique to look a certain way. That is whatever the judges, which is usually a panel of men (laughs) decide as best. Um, and that has changed as well over the years, like what, what they look for in a physique that has evolved as well. But 
again, like bottom line, you're going to be really, really restricting your calories. Mm. And for me, I was, gosh, I was lifting five or six days a week. I was doing two hours of cardio a day close to the shows. I had probably like 1200 calories and, and that was working with a smart coach. Cause I had gone through a couple coaches, um, over like two years of competing and the coach at the end, I, I do think he was really knowledgeable and he encouraged off seasons, you know, like taking breaks where you're eating higher calories and things. But at the end of the day, like it's a very ego driven sport, <laughs> right? Um, so it's hard. It's really hard to put those breaks on because mm -hmm. if you're, if you're competing in bodybuilding, I mean, you're, you're probably a competitive person. You're probably used to like me, you know, keeping the pedal to the metal, like always going full force, focused on achieving, you know, achieving equals value. These are a lot of the things that came up in my head. Um, so it's, it's really hard to take that step back. And it took me, it took me until into, um, 2020. Yep. Which, which I actually won my pro card. And so that made it really hard to take a wow. step back. Um, but I had lost my period. I, you know, my, my husband kind of started to get a little bit worried about just how lean I was all the time. Um, and I knew that too. I was just kind of like turning a blind eye to it because social media rewards physique mm -hmm. so much. Um, and then, like I mentioned, yeah, there was a lot of disordered eating patterns coming back up that had, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but in my teenage years and into like my early college years, there was a lot of, um, binge and restrict or binge and purge behavior. And that just kind of faded into my twenties, but then bodybuilding really brought that back up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was like, it's time to take, it's time to take a huge, huge step back and really just focus on my hormone health and, um, treating my body well. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when you say 1200 calories a day, I'm just like, there's no way a woman can have a period while they're exercising that much. Nope. Only 1200 <laughs> calories. No, no. Yeah. It was rare. There would be like, I would ask people cause I, you know, was in the health space and I was always curious and I would be at these shows with tons and tons of women. And I would always like, I don't know, Maybe people thought I was weird probably, but I was like, does anyone like have their period? Cause I was so curious. And there would be like one person, probably one in one in 10, one in 12. And that's, you know, if people were being honest and the people I was just surrounding myself with. So pretty, it was pretty rare. And so then that also, I mean, I'm just thinking that becomes the norm, right? You're like, oh, okay, this is normal. This yeah. is just how it quote unquote should be. I have nothing to worry about it just reinforces what's happening in the system and in your own body yeah. too. You're just like, I'll, I'll get it back in the off season. Like I'll focus on it then, but you know, what's it doing to you now? <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned when we were chatting before is that your, one of your medicine ceremonies really forced you to look at your eating disorder. So I'm curious, did you start sitting with plant medicine while you were competing and while you were lifting or what's that timeline like? Yeah. So I started to get to know plant medicine. I mean, I had like one, um, 
playful night of experimenting when I was graduating high school, I think it was, and then just never really went back to that. Um, so it wasn't until probably 2017, I think 2016 or 2017, I started microdosing. Um, because I had just kind of, I don't even remember like where I was hearing this information, but I heard somewhere, you know, it can help with, uh, depression or mood. It can help just boost your day a little bit. Um, and, and like I've mentioned in my history, you know, these themes of me equating doing and achieving with my personal value, that has been a theme for me for my whole life. So even before I was really confronting this through like fitness and nutrition, those were a lot of my main challenges of like how I, I couldn't really see the enoughness in myself maybe as a way to say it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of my main motivations to be like, Hey, I, I was volunteering at a farm one day a week uh, at that time. And I was just like chatting with people about it. And someone was like, Oh yeah, my friend so-and-so cultivates mushrooms. Like I can get you some. And I was like, okay. And I just sort of did my own research and I feel like there weren't, you know, podcasts weren't quite as much of a thing as they are now. And I mean, gosh, I have a microdosing one-on-one podcast. I'm like, where was this? (laughs) Right. 2017, this wasn't really talked about. Mm -hmm. So I just like went for it. I just was I would take really small amounts. I don't think I even had a scale at that point. Um, I do now, I'm a lot more accurate these days, but I would just take small amounts and I would start on a day, you know, that maybe my husband and I were going for a hike. So I was going to be in nature and kind of unplugged and there wasn't extra stress on me. And then I just slowly kind of worked it into my routine. And then again, just like randomly talking to people and exploring, I finally felt at the end of um, 2019, yeah, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't quote me on my timeline. But that's when I was like, I I think I want to do a bigger journey. Like I had heard people talk about uh, hero doses and really just going into the medicine. And through, through a couple acquaintances, I met the most wonderful woman, like uh, the stars aligned us. It was so perfect. And we scheduled a ceremony for my birthday that was coming up at the time. I was like, this is what I want to do for my birthday. I want to take a big mushroom ceremony by myself, like out. I found this cabin in the woods. Uh, It was it was perfect. And she came with me and she was my guide Mm -hmm. and she stayed with me the whole time. And I did with her, how she does her um, guiding, her plant medicine work, like this is why it's so important to, to really talk with the people if, if you want to do, do an experience like this because we probably did three months of preparation work. Wow. Like yeah. hopping on coaching calls every couple of weeks, you know, going through my in- intention, um, talking about fears that I had. So we flushed out a lot even before the ceremony, which was just so nice in hindsight because I didn't feel rushed and I felt as prepared as one can feel. And my intention though, going in was more about releasing control. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. So it was, it was a little, a little broad, but it had nothing to do with food or fitness. That just happened to be like a huge theme once I got into my, my journey. <laughs> I really feel that intention is great where the, where the energy is set and where the, where the mind goes, the energy flows and vice versa. I'm huge on setting intentions, especially in ceremony, especially with microdosing. And I find that sometimes the plants and the medicine, because it's medicine has a mind of its own and an energy of its own. And it's like, well, actually, let me show you what you actually need. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because what you think you need isn't what you need. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're almost like this energy. I mean, not a bad trickster energy, but like a playful trickster energy. I find sometimes with plant medicine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I think a lot of people say like the medicine always gives you exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's a nice belief to have because obviously I've had ceremonies too, where I've been frustrated afterwards, but this, this first big, big ceremony that I did was everything that I thought I wanted and, and way more than that too. (laughs) Some of our listeners might not know, you mentioned a hero's dose. Some people might not have any clue what that is. Do you okay. mind hearing what that means? Yeah. So I think some people say macro dose. Some people say hero dose. I'm not sure if there is like a defined difference, but I just consider it as, um, well, one, a way to distinguish from a micro dose, right? Which is basically like subperceptual, very small dose that you can't really, uh, that you don't get the psychoactive effects, um, which for me, uh, my microdosing is it okay to talk about dosage? Yeah. Okay, cool. So for me, microdosing, I would usually take like 0.005 grams. So like a very small amount, um, up to maybe 0.1 if I was feeling frisky, (laughs) but that would be like a limit for me to still feel like fully aware and clear headed for this ceremony. I took four grams and that was based off a body weight calculator from John Hopkins, which I believe anyone can access online, do some Googling. And I think, I think, yeah, if I remember correctly, we had talked about this ahead of time and I had told my husband who he doesn't really work with plant medicine these days, uh, but in his youth just did a lot of experimenting and he was like, you are not taking four grams. And I was (laughs) like, is that a lot? Like I didn't really know, but at the same time, like, gosh, my personality, which I don't really consider myself that much like this anymore. But at the time I was very much a go big or go home person. So yeah, so we just went for it and it was about probably about six hours that I was really in the medicine and we did it more so during the daytime, kind of like afternoon into evening. Um, but it was, and honestly, it felt like years. I mean, it felt like forever (laughs) kind of, but yeah, looking back on it, it was, I think just about, about six hours and just a lot of, um, a lot of highs and lows, a lot of different paths taken like in that one session. So some people will technically say like a hero's dose is seven grams. I personally have not ventured to do anything like that. I love to hear, I love hearing that there's a body weight calculator. And again, just like for microdosing, just for our listeners that don't know this, and this is all new information, you really shouldn't feel your microdose. There shouldn't be psychotropic effects. What's interesting about microdosing though is that there's an accumulative effect, meaning 
you won't feel the psychotropic effects, but over time, your mood changes or your anxiety changes or your depression changes, or you might start to handle relationship discomfort better or discomfort in your body better or listen to your body. It's just really interesting and amazing to me how the mushrooms with microdosing are so subtle to, to not feel anything for microdosing to then go into, wow, my relationships are changing. My relationship to my body is changing. My, my health and my awareness and my community is changing. Like it really is this beautiful building effect that I think, you know, mushrooms are the mycelium that are the great communicators between all the plants in the soil. And there are these nutrient dense, um, fungi that just create this beautiful community. And I really think of it as like this network, right? This network of communication happening in the soil. And that's what's going on in our brain. Like it's mimicking what it does in the soil into the neurotransmitters of our brain. And of course, this is just me speaking from what I feel and what I've noticed in people. But Instead of instead of creating two trees that are trying to communicate to each other, I think of it as like two parts of the brain that can't communicate to each other because of trauma, because of disordered eating, because of whatever it is. And the mushrooms come in and say, how can we gently heal this? How can we start to create communication again in these two parts of the brain in a really healthy, gentle, subtle way? And so then we are we are no different than the soil. Like we are no different than nature. And so with this microdosing, I love the dogs in the background. <laughs> you guys will hear Sorry, my dog. Fast. <laughs> yeah. We get dog, we get my dog snoring all the time in here. So, but it really is this like great connector. I watch people's lives change without this huge wham, bam, giant, forceful event, which is how I think so many of us are conditioned or taught healing needs to look like, is that like cathartic, giant process. And it's like, well, actually, what if it was subtle? What if it was soft? What if it was a slow daily practice of healing that just gently weaves its way in into our life? And then over time, our life changes. Like That's how I think about it. Yeah, wouldn't it be so nice to, to really help, help more people see that? You know, I do feel like that's a big part of my work is a lot of people come to me from a history of uh, chronic dieting. And so they're used to that promise of like a 30-day challenge or a three-month cleanse or whatever the heck it is. And I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to be you know, six, a six to a 12 month journey of, of healing. And yeah. why is it so hard for us to give that to ourselves? Right. And I came to that place when I transitioned into the coaching community, which I was a body worker, transitioned to online coaching in 2020. And I was inundated with, like you said, 30 day challenge, one month container, get better in two weeks. And I was, I was actually, as a body worker, I was like, this is really overwhelming. And I kind of 
tried to be that way. I tried to be like, okay, this is how coaches do things and this is how the world works. And it's all about big containers and fast and furious. And after about six months of that, I was like, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> this isn't working. I want to work with people that want to be hang out with me for six months, maybe 12, that are really like, how can create, how can we create actual lasting lifestyle change subtly and slowly mm-hmm. versus this big event? So I love hearing that because I think that's getting more commonplace. Oh, and one thing I wanted to add to you talking about um, psilocybin and dosages. Um, I was working with Golden Teacher mushrooms at this time. And I've also worked with penis envy Mm -hmm. and that would probably be like half (laughs) as much. So just throwing that out there too, for anyone who's like, oh, I can take like this many grams of anything. Like you also want to know what you're working with, where it's coming from, all those good things. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And um, it's interesting to hear you say that if you were getting quote unquote wild or crazy, you were taking 0.1 grams now there's a lot more research. My husband has done a lot of research and looked and worked with Stamets. Right. Yes. Yes. That's how yes. I say it. <laughs> Stamets. And kind of what he recommends and started microdosing off of his recommendation, which was 0.15 grams, mm. uh, and then work your way up. So my husband is a much larger person and will take 0.3. Actually, when he's microdosing, he'll take 2.15s. No, I'm like you. I'm like, point, yeah. point one's good. <laughs> if I want to be wild, I'm taking point two. <laughs> yeah. Since I'm so open about it and I've got podcasts about this as well, like I'll have people send me messages and they're like, so I'm taking this much and this is happening or yada, yada. And like everyone I think has their own sweet spot and mm-hmm. it does take some experimentation. And again, like giving yourself that time and giving yourself uh, the safe spaces, right? Like I would not recommend starting microdosing on like a Monday at your high stress job. Like, don't do that. Right. <laughs> you know? So I think it does. Um, I've obviously played with it a ton over the years and it sounds like you have too, and everyone's going to have their own little, you know, probably perfect like protocol as far as how often, um, but also dose and everything as well. Yeah. So fascinating. Um, so let's go back around. You were saying, so you go to this cabin in the woods, you take four grams, your intention was to release control and that's not necessarily what happened. So what happened? (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I treated this, um, my guide and I treated this very much as a ritual, as a ceremony, which I really appreciated. And I really, really enjoy working with our plant teachers in this way. So a little bit more of like the setup, I had been fasting overnight and then I fasted through the morning um, to have, you know, an empty stomach for the medicine to really work easily through me. I had modified my diet the pre- the um, prior like three to five days just to really focus on whole foods. So again, I'm like allowing, I'm creating a little bit more space in my body for the mushrooms to just work as easily and as thoroughly as possible, kind of. And so we started with a meditation. Um, I consumed the mushrooms via a tea that we made together. And uh, the onset, I think, with the fasting and you know me really taking the preparation seriously was quick, like maybe a couple minutes. 
And I was like, I'm really feeling something. And I went and lied down. And the beginning of my journey was really challenging. I felt sick, like nauseous, which anyone who's taken mushrooms, you kind of get that like sick stomach feeling for a little while, um, which a mantra that I wish I had then that I use now is in that that first stage where it kind of feels like reality is slipping through your fingers. A mantra that I like to use now is this is the medicine working because for a lot of us, like myself included, I, I almost freaked out. Like I was really close at the very beginning there to like ask my guide for help, to get really nervous um, because it's that intense release, like forced release of control that our ego really doesn't like. Um, yeah. So remembering that that is just the medicine working can be really helpful. But what I did is I had a mantra of trust, breathe, surrender. So that is what I was saying to myself, uh, really trying to focus on on taking deep, calming breaths. But it, it hit me hard and fast. Uh, there was a lot of confusing visuals, like twisting shapes, scary shapes, dark colors like blacks and reds. And the the first part, when that kind of started to clear a little bit, as far as like the shapes and things really not making sense, it felt like I was almost reliving or refeeling, maybe is a better way to say it, mistakes that I had made in my life. Um, you know, like people I had wronged or like my rebellious teenage years and putting my parents through the ringer and, you know, little things and big things. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of like shame and guilt and crappy, crappy, crappy feelings. A feeling though, like this was all somatic. Mm -hmm. Like this, you weren't remembering actual, maybe you were like actual things or it was more just like, oh my God such intense shame and guilt in my body. I can feel this emotion, more of a feeling. It was, it was a little bit of both, but it was, it was stories, but mostly feelings. So there were like memories of, it wasn't like watching a movie, but it was like, oh, do you remember when you, you broke your high school boyfriend's heart and like, do you remember when this happened and your parents were like super disappointed? Just like quick though, like lights flashing, but uh, lights flashing of memories and then the associated like, oh my God, like that dread of, oh yeah, I remember that mistake I made. Mm -hmm. So it was almost this like pulling down at the start of my journey, like this sinking. I was really sinking into, like I said, these dark colors, these dark feelings, these heavy feelings, like pulling me down. And that kind of uh, culminated with my first like really clear visual of the of this journey, which was a bird's eye view of this like concrete cell almost. And this <laughs> like, you know, in Harry Potter 4, when Voldemort is like this weird infant baby kind of before they toss him into the cauldron, yep. like that type of figure, like skeleton-y um, around a toilet. 
and that was me. Or like, mm-hmm. better phrased, that was me watching the personification of my eating disorder. Wow. Yeah, and it was really, really scary and sad uh, mm-hmm. to to see like that part of myself look that way and in this terrible, terrible, gross, you know, dungeony place. But it also that that view, like since I had this bird's eye view in my consciousness, it showed me also the separation. Like that isn't me. Yes. That's a part of me playing out mm-hmm. a part of my life. Exactly. And after I was like crying a lot during this too, like not sobbing, but just like I could, I had a, I was lying down with a face mask on during the whole journey, but Mm. I could like feel my face was wet. Um, But once I kind of, that clicked in my head, like this isn't me, this is my eating disorder and this is how it looks. And this is, this is, you know, what I can attach to if I continue to live like that or I can just like be up here and be above this and move away from it. And once I kind of made that realization, like I had mentioned at the beginning, it was a lot of this pulling down. As soon as that thought clicked, I'm not really sure if it was a thought, but like as soon as that realization came to, I was able to really move upwards. And there was a lot of this like feeling of more floating and spiraling upwards and seeing loved ones and it was a really nice transition away from that. And I don't think I'll ever forget that visual. That is like one of the strongest things that's ever happened to me in a journey. Um, But that really was, like, I don't think there's any such thing as a magic pill, but I have never, after that day, like I never really struggled with disordered eating habits after that. Wow. I have so much chills right now. I just want to name that. Like would the, I mean, do the thoughts cross your mind ever? Or it literally is like, I don't even go there because that part of me, that experience was what I needed to be done with that. The thoughts cross my mind. And I mean, not so much today, because now this is almost three years later, Yeah. but I was rereading a journal recently in preparation for this podcast. And there were a couple pages after I journaled everything about this ceremony, there were a couple like, oh, I can feel these thoughts coming back. But there was so much more pause and Mm -hmm. so much more awareness. Whereas previously I would have just like, you know, bent to to whatever that feeling was, whether it's like driven by control or comparison or really just judgment maybe at the end of the day. Um, and instead I could even see in my writing, like, oh, I, I see it and I'm naming it and I'm, I'm moving forward anyway. Wow. So beautiful. It's, I mean, and that's really what happens with the nervous system and with the wiring of the brain is like, the more we think about something, the more that gets reinforced and the more that neural pathway becomes a groove into our brain, But when we stop thinking that way and we can start to be objective and just make the conscious decision like, okay, here's this pathway, but I'm going to, like, I see it, but I'm going to choose not to act on it. I'm going to choose to stop thinking about it. I'm going to change 
my thoughts that over time that neural groove in the brain goes away mm-hmm. so beautiful and it just really sounds like working with different plant medicines whether it's microdosing or a larger dose really yeah there is no magic pill but it's almost like it allowed you to really create this objectification of the whole process yes Yep, I think that was the key piece because I was really good at hiding these tendencies. Um, you know, I was working within the nutrition space, which you know, the more I've talked about this as well, um, I hear from other coaches the same thing. Like you can be, all of us can be really good at hiding whatever the issue is that we're dealing with. And so it's it's hard to, in everyday life, slow down in such a way that you're really, really deeply looking in the mirror. Cause it's super uncomfortable too. Like, holy moly, it's so uncomfortable. And mm. that is one thing I really, really love about plant medicines is it's, I mean, I'm going to use the word force. <laughs> Maybe that's too harsh of a word, but it really does, at least for me, has forced me to, to look at those places that I don't necessarily want to look. And I think other things can do that, like hypnotherapy, uh, really great talk therapists. Uh, There are other modalities, but this has just been the tool for me that's really allowed me to look at those places within me, see them clearly, and be able to finally then have the conviction of like, oh, I don't need to do things that way. Like I already saw how that goes. Now I can choose to go this other way. Yeah. Yeah, I can choose to go this other way. It makes me think, um, you know, I'll probably do a podcast sharing my whole story. I've asked my husband if I can interview him, interview him, and he's like, I'm almost there. (laughs) Yes, but not yet. So I will start to share a little more, but I will say this fear of slowing down because when we slow down, we're stuck with all of our thoughts. And we're stuck with all of our patterns and it's scary. It's really difficult. And for years, my husband was like, I just want you to slow down. I just want you to stop. I mean, I'm just a goer and I enjoy going. I'm still a doer and like, I get pleasure and I would constantly burn myself out. And he had a time in his life where he really started to slow down and he really started to go through his spiritual awakening And he would just say to me, like, will you just sit here with me? Will you just slow down? And I was always like, no, 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 no. You know, and I would just fight it. And now we laugh today. We laugh two years later because um, I have since slowed down and he'll find me saying things like the other day. I, I mean, last week, our dog was sick. It was a rough week. We weren't getting sleep. I got no work done. And I just laughed. I was like, oh my God, I got absolutely nothing done this week. That's hilarious. And I found myself laughing. And he's like, man, two years ago, Leisha would be freaking out at that statement, not laughing at that statement. So just that ability to subtly shift. And I don't believe that we're designed to move at the fast pace that most of this world is moving. I think the plant medicines come in and are like, okay, like this isn't sustainable because what is nature? Nature is here to be sustainable. Plants are here to thrive. How can we come into better coherence and be more like nature so that we're thriving 
so that we have seasons, so that we have times when we're stopped, like resting, dormant, and times when we're prolific and moving. I mean, we're women, we're attuned to this cycle already. We just fight it. We push against it. I wrote down, I think yesterday, that I, I heard someone say this, and then I, later I remembered it, and so this is paraphrasing, but refusing to surrender is agreeing to suffering. And I was like, that's, that's one of my big overarching, I think my soul came here to learn surrender. And I feel like I met with that again and again and again. So maybe I'm not learning it super well, but it's, it's, a, it's a consistent theme in my life. And yeah, I think, I think you're, you're so right there with, with us needing to deeply listen to rhythms, rhythms mm -hmm. more and just allowing that ebb and flow. Yeah, maybe it's not that you have to learn this lesson over and over again. <laughs> maybe it's just layers, like different layers of surrendering, True. different areas to surrender. Yeah. That is, that's a good way of looking at it because it does feel like it shifts to different boxes of my life over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I also know, and feel free if there's anything else you want to share on mushrooms or your journey or microdosing, feel free. Um, and I also know that you've had some stints with ayahuasca. Um, I've had some, um, I did some microdosing with San Pedro, which was a really interesting experience. I haven't done a large dose of San Pedro. So I would love kind of to hear your experiences with other plant medicines or anything you want to share, any relevant stories or pieces of information on that. Gosh, ayahuasca, what a, what a powerful plant. <laughs> Um, the one thing, so I have sat with ayahuasca in a couple different locations. I will say that my opinion based on my experiences is if someone feels that call, I, I think it's worth it to go to the jungle. Mm -hmm. so I, I do kind of wish someone would have, would have said that to me. Um, mm -hmm. I was really naive the first time I sat with it. That was before mushrooms. So that was like in 2015. Okay. And someone randomly was like, our shaman's coming this weekend. Do you want to drink ayahuasca? And I didn't know what it was. I was like, sure. <laughs> My husband's like, what are you doing? Again, like being the voice of reason. That wasn't a great experience. Um, and I have, I've sat elsewhere in the U.S. And mm, it's just not the same. There's something about like how you were talking about the mycelium and honoring like how that plant works, right? Like how mushrooms work. I think there's something about how ayahuasca is a jungle vine and being in the jungle with her is just a really different experience. Mm. Again, this is obviously all based on my own experience, but I was lucky enough to spend um, about 10 days in Peru over the new year oh, wow. um, this past year. And that was really challenging and really amazing and everything in between. Um, but it's something that I, I would definitely, I would do it again, even though it was really hard. <laughs> and how many times had you done ayahuasca before journeying to Peru? So once, once. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the bad experience. That. The one that you're like, this isn't great. Okay. Which brings in a really interesting point because, and I think this is also really important to talk about when we're talking about plant medicines. 
are the shamans, Mm. the medicine givers. And in today's world, anyone can claim that they're a shaman. Anyone can claim they're a medicine giver. Anyone can be like, oh, I've got this ayahuasca. I've got whatever, take this. Let me hold space for you. Um, And it can be done very poorly and it can actually change the whole experience um, of the process. And so I'd love to hear your takes on like, what does it mean to be a shaman maybe, or what does it mean to be a medicine, plant medicine provider and holding that space for people? And why is that so important? <laughs> I don't know if I can answer what, <laughs> what does it mean to be a shaman, but because I know there are so many lineages that you can be trained in. Um, and from my knowledge, it's years, years and years and years. Or if you're, and that's if you're from that culture. So let's say like you are Peruvian and you grew up in a culture that works with ayahuasca, your training might still be decades long. Um, I have met people who want to go that route, but they are like Caucasians from the US, let's say. And I think their journey is a lifelong journey to mm-hmm. if they want to serve medicine um, because there's so much to learn from from the plants, from about yourself, you know, doing all of your own work, all your own shadow work, because that can obviously come off on the people that you're with. And then, you know, I think there are also people out there who want to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing your research, talking to people, talking to people who have been to the place or like retreat center that you want to go is so important. Like I went with a, a group that was basically like invite only because I, I, uh, also before this trip, I sat with five MEO DMT mm-hmm. with Bufo mm-hmm. and the guide I worked with, with that, he was the organizer. So mm-hmm. I had like expressed interest and he kind of put together this group. So I knew him, he knew everybody going. <laughs> Some people had been to this center before. It wasn't really a center. It was very, uh, very rustic. <laughs> we were in the middle of the jungle. It was, it was super rustic, but um, yeah. So I, I, felt, I felt pretty confident with the people I was with. Mm-hmm. And that was night and day different from like the first time was just like, yeah, whatever, sure. <laughs> and yeah, so that that pays off. It pays off to really do your research and sit with it and know who you're with and who who will be serving. Like I looked into the shaman this time. And and I, I think it's just really important to name as part of this conversation, this piece around culture appropriation that's happening. And that's even actually happening with legalizing things like ayahuasca and mushrooms it's actually kind of hurting um, hurting certain cultures the way that we're going about legalizing it here in America it's actually inhibiting them practicing something that is part of their culture and like who they are so it it can kind of get really messy and really complicated mm-hmm And I just think we have to be aware of that. Yeah. And I think that's also why I had such different experiences, like sitting in the U.S. versus being in Peru. Um, Even though not the first time, but later on when I sat again in the U.S., the woman who was serving the medicine had trained for 
over a decade in Peru and had done all kinds of dietas in the jungle and um, had really respected relationships. And I think she carried the medicine very well, but it was still just like, so there was an element of disconnect, at mm-hmm. least for me. And I did talk to a couple other people um, at, that was like a weekend long ceremony. And some people had been to the jungle and some hadn't. And those who had been to the jungle, like totally agreed with me. And they're like, well, yeah, it's just different. Cause like you're in the jungle, you're in her home. Like this is always going to be different. And I was like, oh, okay. For some reason I didn't, I didn't connect that in my head. Um, it, it was not a bad experience. It was just fine, but I would say fine is like a good word for it versus these other like breakthrough more experiences that I've had. And I think you're hitting on an important point is that you're kind of like, you're taking something out. Of, it's like having sushi in Colorado. Is, yeah. Or yeah. Or by you. It's like, well, you know, this is, this is, this is nice, but like, it would taste really different if we were somewhere else. It tastes so much better in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And a, a part of that I think is, is the history, you know, not to, not to make light of this topic, but it's uh it's really important it's really important to note that and to know what you're working with what you're asking for wh- who who your actions are affecting and how they're affecting the earth and everything 100 mm-hmm. percent. yeah and even like that saying that the medicine will give you exactly what it needs so i've really sat with this because i had a not great combo experience and part of me is like yes, I got exactly what I needed. The medicine showed me exactly what I needed. And one of those lessons was to have discernment with who I'm sitting with Mm. is to like really understand the shaman's way of working. And it's, and it's nothing against the person I was sitting with. It's just for where I am in my life and for my practices and where I am in my body, it's, it was off there was a mismatch, a disconnect, like you said, for what I, for how I needed to be held in the space and move through in the space. And so it created like almost an energetic kink in my energy field. Mm. And I had to um, go sit with another shaman to be like, what is happening? My energy, I can feel my energy field is off. My physical body is completely off. And And the big, big lesson was discernment. Do your research. Who are you sitting with? How do they work? What's their style? What's their training? Are you sitting in the United States or somewhere else? What type of, you know, is it a retreat or like you going to someone's home? Like all of this to me makes such a huge difference in the experience that we have. Oh yeah. And I'm over trusting. I'm like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You sound great. (laughs) Yeah. People pleasing, people pleasing wound made me a little bit in there. (laughs) Right. Like everything's fine. (laughs) Oh, um, well, what amazing experience sounds like it was a wild experience in Peru, I'm sure. I mean, that kind of brings in also another huge piece is the integration process. Mm-hmm. I personally think it takes some, a lot of time to integrate these experiences. 
and to really honor the time that it takes again going from this fast-paced quick culture to taking the time and energy and patience to integrate the things that come through in the medicine ceremony Mm -hmm. I've also sat with Bufo and I kept thinking like reflecting back now I'm like yeah it took nine months to fully integrate all of that like really integrate it and I kept thinking that I had integrated but then another huge piece would land where I'd be like oh my god I'm still processing and moving through this experience and it took nine months for me to be say wow, okay, things are kind of making sense. I'm feeling like I'm on the right path now because Bufo for me was like one of those um, machines, you know, those machines from the eighties with the toys and the claw hand that would come down and you'd try to pick up a stuffed animal and it would like pick it up and then move it. That is what Bufo did to me. It like came in this big claw hand and like picked me up and was said no 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 you're not meant to be here you're completely in the wrong path and I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna move you over here Mm. but that was the experience and so then I had to come out of it and Bufo only lasts like what 10 to 15 minutes it feels like hours lifetimes but I had to come out of that experience and say oh my god I have all this integration all these steps to take in order like to actually change the path I saw the path I knew what I needed to do it showed me very clearly but then I had to do all the integration work and all the action steps around it yeah uh that's such that's such a great analogy and I totally agree integration is it's the hard part, but it's also the rewarding part because it's where you get to actually change your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like one, any number of plant medicine ceremonies aren't going to change your life because it's actually, I heard Joe Rogan put it such a great way. He was like, you know, it's when you do plant medicine, it's like you restart your computer and you get a fresh desktop, right? And everything's clean and you have no files on your computer, except there's one blue folder that says old bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then you have to decide like through integration, are you going to double click that folder and open it back up? Or like we kind of talked about, are you going to go this other direction? And I'm like, wow, that is, that's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> and yeah. After Peru, we did um, five ceremonies and uh, <laughs> just like, mind-blowing because how much can happen in one let alone that many um in a way it was nice because sometimes they would kind of build on each other but sometimes two nights were just like polar opposite and i would be like what's going on but thankfully like i said i had a really great group and we were doing integration work every single day um in like small groups and big groups and there was a lot of open communication and there was a lot of quiet time too because we were totally unplugged So what I ended up doing at the end of that trip is picking five actions kind of from overall, like all from all my journaling and everything that had poured out of me. I tried to choose five things that I could do on a practical, like daily basis to help me when I got home. Mm -hmm. And 
this is this is one of those beautiful like oh this is why masculine and feminine energy are supposed to be in harmony right because i didn't want to like come home and live with my head in the clouds and never actually take action like you said the action is important so having some type of structure to your integration i think is so 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 helpful and these weren't big things like one of mine was walking slower Mm. like literally moving around my house at a slower pace instead of like sprinting up the stairs Mm. or um some mornings i would just walk around my neighborhood but i wasn't walking to like get steps or to get my heart rate up i was just walking to to basically do a walking meditation more or less Mm. and to just have that that slow easy movement versus the go 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 Mm. so for me that works really well, like having a couple action items after a ceremony of like, how can I start to build in what I'm learning to my daily life so that I do feel like the wheel is turning, like things are shifting versus I just had this experience and it was cool. Now I'll go back to my, how, how I used to do things. Yeah. I've had that conversation a lot with a a body worker I used to see, and she's getting more and more people that are sitting with ayahuasca and maybe not working with the best shaman and just kind of getting blown out and they come in to get body work from her and they're not integrating their life isn't changing. And they're just, they've just blown a fuse, so to speak, and they're not grounded. They're all, their energy's all over the place. And she kind of is like, it's kind of made her not want to work with any ayahuasca or other plant medicine. I should just say ayahuasca because she's like, I don't want to get blown out like that. And you can do as much plant medicine as you want. But if you just come back to your life and live your life the exact same way and make no changes, everything's going to stay the same. Mm -hmm. It just is. So I think it's really important to speak to. It's like, for me, I clear my schedule. Usually like anytime I'm going to sit with anything or work with a shaman, I'll clear that weekend or that week after so that I can just spend that week. Like if I want to drink tea on my couch that day and journal, or if I need to get extra sleep because my body processes a lot in sleep, or if I need to go spend more time in nature that week, just to really let the energy and whatever was shown to me in whatever way that I can actually have time to be with that mm-hmm. and integrate it into my system. Yeah. And I've heard, you know, I'm not totally sure like what is happening with organs legalization, but that's coming. Um, there's something on the ballot for Colorado this year as well, but it's it's more the cannabis route, like super, super corporate. So mm-hmm. I've actually been urging people to vote no on that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but I have heard that along with this, like this is this is happening, like legalization is coming hot. And the need for integration is just going to like, I don't probably 10x or something. I there are statistics out there, but it's it's a lot. Um so, you know, for anyone listening who's like, well, what what am I supposed to do? There are like I know of two, my friend and I started just like a pure, it's just for integration circles, like and we meet once a month locally and it's just for people to like come and chat or just listen. Um, but there are also a lot of local psychedelic societies. Like I even have one, I live in a 
I wouldn't say conservative city, but there's a lot of military presence where I am. So the the uh, stereotype kind of the stigma that is on my city is like, oh, like it's conservative because there's military presence. And that's just not the case. Like we've got our own psychedelic chapter and they have a lot of resources as well. So if someone is listening and they're like, well, how, how, where do I find people? Like start to do a little research and you usually can. Like I have a couple clients who have worked with me and then I've started exploring plant medicine and we'll stay on and then we'll just kind of switch to more like an integration focus. Um, and there are a lot of qualified integration coaches online as well. So I hope we'll just continue to see those resources grow because that really is like, again, this is not a magic pill. You still have to take action within your life to see those changes that maybe you, you were shown. Yeah. And I'm seeing that with like the ketamine clinics. I have a client, we did some work together beforehand and then he decided to do some ketamine and then he messaged me. So here in Salt Lake, it's the ketamine session, I guess is six. They ask you to do six sessions within a certain period of time. And he was like four sessions in messaged me and was like, oh my God, can we please do a session together? Because I need help processing what I'm experiencing. And um, I haven't directly worked with ketamine, but I have the understanding of the nervous system and what different medicines are doing. And just sitting with him on an hour call and allowing him to share his experience, explain what's happening in his brain. help him create some, some action steps. He was like, I don't understand why they're not offering this at the clinic, because this session that I had with you is literally what is going to change my ketamine experience and pull everything together. So I am starting to see some really great integration coaches. I think just because of my experience with microdosing without me even talking about it, like this is the most I've started to talk about things. I've had people reach out to me and say, can you just do a couple sessions with me, a little bit of work um, because I'm microdosing and I need some help. And I am like, yeah, because I have that lived experience. The mushrooms are in my field, in my energetic field. And people are just kind of coming to me Mm. without me advertising or saying anything and saying like, I know you do somatic work. I need, I need a little help. And I'm always like, yeah, of course, like let's definitely support integration. Yeah. Yeah. There are resources out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe what I'll do in the show notes, I have a couple of Instagram accounts. I love there's one that's really big that's sharing and educating people on the whole, like, why don't we want to legalize? Why, why would we want to? That's a great Instagram account. Um, I also funny enough in Salt Lake, we have a local chapter. (laughs) Which same thing here. It's like all the Mormons and we're so conservative, but we have a psychedelics chapter. (laughs) Yes, I love it. I love it. So I'll put those in the show notes. Of course, your information in the show notes as well. And I love knowing that you're doing an integration circle in person. That's beautiful. It's been fun. It's been fun to just like build community in a different way, especially post-COVID. You know, everyone, I think, craves that a little bit. I think we'll jump into the fact well, you're pregnant now. Woo-hoo. Congratulations. <laughs> Which brings up a topic around pregnancy and microdosing and plant medicines. 
I want to name that when I researched this, like medicine and pregnancy, there's very little research out there. This was, I don't know, five or six months ago, though. Still, we're, of course, women are under-researched. Women in pregnancy are under-researched. Postpartum is under-researched. But it brings in this whole interesting topic around microdosing and journeying and different things are so great for depression and anxiety that I think of postpartum. I think of how supportive this could be for postpartum, but then what does that mean if you're breastfeeding or what does that mean? Like being quote unquote on drugs, which is how we're conditioned while having a baby, like being around a toddler. So I don't know what's, what's stirring around in your brain and in your body with all of that. Yeah. I actually, um, it took my husband and I about six months to conceive which felt like forever. <laughs> and during that time, I was doing some research too. I, I took a, a short like seminar series. I think it was through Double Blind. Um, and they had a female physician on to speak about psilocybin throughout the phases of life. Were you like on that seminar? I was on that seminar. Okay, okay very cool. <laughs> So yeah, it was really good. And she talked about, you know, like menstrual health and pregnancy and like through menopause as well. But yeah, totally like the whole message was, well, we don't know. And we probably, we might never know because pregnant women are, like you said, like hardly ever studied. And I get it, right? I get there are reasons for that. But I, I had taken several months off of microdosing because I was preparing to go to Peru and such and, um, I I thought I was going to just take like uh, forever off, (laughs) basically like trying to conceive. But then, you know, after we didn't get pregnant, the first couple months we were trying, I was like, you know what, I'm, this is causing extra stress in my life. Like I'm getting in that control mode. I want to start microdosing again. And I was super consistent with it for a couple months and then we conceived. And so I stopped again Mm -hmm. and I think most people know like first trimester is difficult with morning sickness and I had a lot of fatigue as well. But something that I really noticed was this like fracture in my spirituality practices. Mm. And I don't know, I obviously can't pinpoint that. But it was hard. It was really hard for me to stop microdosing because like I said, it's been like years on and off for me. Like I really knew, I really knew my sweet spot and I was really precise with like my protocols and my journaling and measuring, you know, improvements and things. So stopping that plus like the crazy hormonal changes, getting pregnant and everything else and the sickness and it was... And I'm in my second trimester now and I'm still trying to wrap my head around like this is such a big shift to have have been someone to be someone who loves plant medicine and all of the work and experiences and people I've met and community I've built through these medicines and then kind of like cut myself off more or less. Uh, and not really have a plan of when I can 
get back into it because I plan to breastfeed and all these things. So that's been just weird. And I'm so still in this journey. And um, I think I'm going to do like a blog series about it. Actually, I've been really feeling called to write about it. And just I'm sure other people have experienced similar things with like, not only does a lot of your life change when you're pregnant, but a lot of the the spirituality aspects, like your spiritual connection can shift. So I remember on that seminar, there were, I think it, I think it was the presenter who said, it was either the host or the presenter that was talking about, is, is there still a huge benefit to microdose while you're pregnant or breastfeeding, despite potential risks that we don't really know, because what is the cost of that mom being depressed, right? And so I would not classify myself as depressed, but I have had crying spells. I have had some low points. And definitely what comes to my mind is like, gosh, I wonder if I would feel like this if I was microdosing. Mm. So so there's been a lot swimming through my mind as this as I walk this path of, you know, pregnancy, but loving our plant teachers and how do I still work with them, but maybe in different ways. So I'm really playing with that a lot now. Yeah. I love that you bring up that there's different ways to work with plants besides ingesting them. I think that's important. And there are certain plants you can work with while you're pregnant, you know, like raspberry leaf and nettle and mother ward. Those are still such beautiful teachers um, and plants. And it also makes me reflect. So, you know, my work working a lot with women in pregnancy and helping them through this transformation, like that's what I offer and what I do. And birth means death. Mm. They go hand in hand. And so anytime there's a birth and even though you haven't actually physically birthed your baby, anyone listening that's pregnant or going through a similar process, like you've birthed in a way you've birthed your pregnancy right? You're a new person. And with that means a part of you is dying or, or dead. And so really walking that when we're pregnant or pregnancy and birth is a portal and it goes hand in hand with death and just really allowing ourselves to like be with that grief. That's like, oh, this part of me that used to participate in plant medicines whether or not you choose to do it in the future, no, like no judgments, grieving and holding space for that part of you mm-hmm. because it's no more. And, and it's moving into a new, a new part of you. And, and I think we need more of these conversations and more people willing, like, like you said, a blog post or something to talk about it because this is a taboo topic, like pregnancy and plant medicine postpartum and plant medicine is so taboo, so taboo. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that I'm like, yeah, okay. It's taboo, but why is it taboo? Why are we hiding from these conversations? What is it that we're super scared to discover or what's, what's the nutrient that we're actually missing there in these conversations. And so I think the more we can talk about it and just be open, like, If there are mothers out there breastfeeding or pregnant on microdosing, like amazing, reach out to me because I want to hear your experience. I want to know and what's happening. And um, it's just something that 
I think eventually it'll become more mainstream, but it takes a couple of us willing to have these taboo conversations and and share about it. Mm -hmm. I have heard someone else I was talking to about this said I should look into moms on mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that account? Mm -mm. Yeah, I haven't really done too much research, but obviously I love the name. (laughs) So like she might have some good information too. I need to, I need to dig into that a little bit more, but yeah, it's a, you're, you're so right. I think you made so many good points about there, there being a death too. And even the, um, if you think in terms of like the transition from maiden to mother, like there's death with that as well. So yeah, there's, there's something about, um, embracing a transition here that I think I have learned in one way, shape or form from psychedelics, but now I get to learn it, uh, on my own almost, you know, like being, being pushed to that next step perhaps. So that's another way I'm kind of trying to look at this or like my, my continued lesson of surrender. Like, wow, this is, this is another big surrender. So yeah, Yeah. there's, there's always a, there's always a lesson, right? I have a, a friend that microdoses with THC. Mm-hmm. And um, now that it's more legalized, it's easier. And the other day she was kind of <clears throat> giving herself a hard time. And I paused for a moment and I said, well, what would happen if you weren't microdosing with THC? And she said, well, I'd be on antidepressants and anxiety meds. And I said, okay, I don't have any judgments with any of the three. Which one do you prefer to be on? And which one feels healthier to your system? And she's like, well, the THC, and it allows me to play. She's like, the THC makes me so playful that I actually can sit in creative play with my young child, where if I wasn't doing the THC, I'd probably be a really bitchy mom. I wouldn't have this creative play come through. And I'm creating so much bonding with my child through this through creative play and through sitting with him on the floor. And I was like, yeah, that's actually really beautiful. Like what if we supported moms that would otherwise be in depression and are stressed and the moms today are not supported. They're working full-time jobs, running a full-time household, parenting their children. It's like, sure, take a microdose (laughs) and bond with your child. Like if that's how we change the planet, like, okay, because now her child is going to grow up more attached and better bonded and in a more secure attachment style. And like, okay, if that meant that you had to microdose with THC. Funny how that judgment can come on so quickly, right? It's not, it's not even her own, but it's, it's the perceived judgment of other people. So much perceived judgment and just the conditions. Like I was conditioned that drugs are bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And that like any kind of drugs, it's going to mess up your life and you're going to end up homeless on the street. And like, you're going to be a horrible person in prison. And it's like, that's literally how I was raised. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I still get, at least my family, they more like make fun of me now, but oh yeah, the, the jokes the jokes are endless at my mine and plant medicines expense in my family. <laughs> oh, well, I just love this conversation so much. Um, 
Is there anything else you want to share, speak to any other stories, something, anything for our listeners? Like, yeah, it's up to you. What else needs, whatever needs to be said, we're open. One thing that feels important to say is to, to listen to what's calling you. So that might not be anything related to plant medicine right now. That might be like something else random that you or I said. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, she, she talked about like a morning routine or building an altar or something. I think I said, like, maybe I should think about that. Right. Um, if there was something that we talked about today that intuitively you like got chills or for me, I usually get like a warming, like a hot, (laughs) hot in my body sensation. Um, if something like that came up, that's such a good sign to just maybe do a little bit more research or find one of these local resources that, that we talked about, like these communities where, where it's hopefully another safe place. You can ask questions. Um, because I do think plant medicine is not for everyone. And if you are feeling the call, you will know, you will know when it's that time, the opportunity will come up at the right time. Like I am a big believer in that. Um, or maybe you're just at that point where you're like, I am so not ready, but I would love to learn more. And then again, like just go for it, like follow that and just be curious right now. Maybe you're not really taking big leaps of action, but you can let your curiosity lead you and look up different podcasts and things like that. Um, I have a couple, I did two podcasts on my Peru trip that were, one was all about preparation, like going more in depth into the dieta and the tobacco cleansing we did when we got there. And then I have another one all about like the ceremonies and my biggest takeaways. And I have an episode on Bufo and um, there, are, there are so many resources out there now as more and more people share. So yeah, just a, just an invitation to really listen to your intuition after after this podcast. So well said. I mean, I haven't sat with Ayahuasca because she hasn't called to me. Like, But I sat with San Pedro because a friend mentioned it and everything in my body was like bells, alarms. I could hear it talking to me being like, pay attention, ask her all the questions and ask her like, mm. like pay attention. Oh, so cool. And so like what you mean, if there's something happening in your system, if the plants are quote unquote talking to you already, if you're feeling hot flashes, chills, like, and it doesn't have to be plant medicine, that is your body's wisdom guiding you to, to what you need and honor that for sure. Um, and I'll put in the show notes, I would love, what's the name of your podcast where you share about plant medicines? Macros, muscle, and manifestation. Okay. I didn't know if it was the same yeah, one. It's the yeah. one that you were on. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. It's a great podcast. And so I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well, as well as your website and how people can reach out to you, awesome. your Instagram. I'm happy to answer any, any other plant medicine questions we didn't go over. And I just really appreciate this conversation, your time that you've spent with us today, sharing so openly about your experiences. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was, this was so fun and my heart feels so full after chatting with you. All right, guys, that's a wrap for Taboo Topics. 
podcast number one of that section. Join me in about two weeks as we enter taboo topics number two around death, sex, and illness. We'll see you then.